Hey there, it's me, Susan. Before you jump into today's episode, there's something else I'd like you to do first. You see, my team and I created Doggy Flicks, an educational video streaming platform for keen to learn dog lovers like yourself. We've got a video series for you called The Connected Dog. It's time limited. You're going to be blown away with what we have in store for you. Did I mention the accompanying 55 page training playbook that goes with the series? You get to experience it all as my guest. free to you. Go to doggyflix.com, D-O-G-G-Y-F-L-I-X.com. You'll recognize me. I'll be the one welcoming you. And once you see how amazing it is, be sure you invite your other dog-loving friends too. D-O-G-G-Y-F-L-I-X.com. In the big picture of dog training, how important is it to be consistent, really? I mean, if you don't want to have a behaviors like on the scale that my dogs are, do you really need to be that consistent? That is the topic of today's podcast. Welcome to Shape by Dog. I'm Susan Garrett. And today's podcast was inspired by a letter that we received, and it goes like this. Susan. Will positive reinforcement training work when there isn't much consistency between my husband and myself? He says that I'm a control freak. This is similar to the letter that we was the topic of podcast episode number 49, but I am going to bring up some new points, but you might want to check out that one as well. Back to the letter. He says that I'm a control freak because I want the dogs to sit at the door before I let them go out. He opens the door and just lets them bolt. I basically stopped trying to do any training because it seems everything I do, he undoes. I have three dogs. Any suggestions would be helpful. Thank you. So let's take a look at this thing called consistency and why do we even care if our dog sits at the door? And are we being kind of control freaks? We got a lot of questions to unpack here. Let's start by reminding you the two big ways, the, you know, there's all kinds of ways, but two big ways of training dogs. And there's training a dog to move away from something that is punishment. There's training dogs to move towards something that would be something they like as in reinforcement. And there's people who use a mixture of those things. And today's podcast is not to debate which is right or wrong. Anyway, it's what's right or wrong for you and where you are on your journey with dogs but that's for another discussion. Those of us who are choosing to train our dogs with reinforcement, wanting them to move towards something, there's really two different divisions here. So there's the world of luring, where of course the dogs are going to move towards it, but it's kind of like a putting a, a carrot in front of a mule. You know, they'll go so far and then they're like, okay, I'm done. Or the dog might say, I'm really not, I'm over that. Or they'll go, hmm, that meatball's good, but man, oh man, that deer looks like a lot more fun, so I'm going to chase it. Right. So there's some limitations with when your training is lure based, but it doesn't evolve into what we do and that we actually don't use lures here much or at all. And that is we're shaping behavior. And I told you all of that to get to this one line. When you're shaping behavior, you're creating a transfer of value. So the reinforcement value of the food, the toy, chasing somebody or something, that reinforcement value gets transferred into you. And 
That's why we're doing all these things. So let's unpack now the scenario of, well, what if your husband's doing one thing and you're doing something else? I'm going to give you two examples. First of all, a friend of mine who she trains her dog very much the way we subscribe and she has her dog sit at the door and her dog isn't, you know, allowed to beg at the table, et cetera, et cetera. Her husband has completely different rules. The sit at the door is a sometimes thing. If he feels like it, or if the dog bolts out the door, he might say, hey, 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 come on back here. Most of the time, it's just, let's go outside and they they all go out together. They retrieve in the backyard, but if the dog doesn't bring it back, that's okay. He was out doing yard work anyway. And while he eats his meal, the dog always gets some from the plate. So guess what? The dog always begs from him. And so they're two different sets of rules. Does that mean that because he isn't creating any rules or following up on the rules you'd like to see enforced. That means that my friends, let's call her Kim. (laughs) My friend Kim, (laughs) my friend Kim has no hope of training her dog. Oh, nay, nay. It's like, think about this. If you have a dog in a fenced in backyard And on the outside of the fence is like this massive, like Shangri-La for dogs, right? There's uh, people handing out treats all over. There's dogs playing fetch. There's dogs chasing dogs. There's agility. There's everything you want outside that fence. Now the dog's inside this wooden fence and they just were kind of like, you know, trying to look through the cracks of the fence and notice, hey, this board's open. Hey, I just pushed through and I'm free. Well, guess what? The next day, they're going to go out in the backyard. And how long will it take for them to go over and start pushing the boards beside the one that got them out until they figure out which one got them out? And then, voila, I'm free back to Shangri-La. Now, after days and days and days of this, do you think your dog will ever go over to the boards over here that never, ever let them out and start pushing on them? They won't, will they? Because dogs understand how to earn reinforcement. And so, if your husband is a gaping hole in the fence, your dog knows to expect that. But that doesn't mean your dog's going to expect the same with you because you have never been the gaping hole in the fence. You have always held firm to, in order to get this, you have to do that. And so, it is never a waste of your time. Now, let's talk about the consistency within what you do. What if, oh, Susan, some days I'm in a hurry, like I'm dressed for work and my dog doesn't sit. I got to let him out. Is it like just uh, once in a while? That's all right. Right. My mentor, the iconic Bob Bailey, he has this rule of thumb that if 10% of the time you make an error in your training, it's not going to affect the overhaul behavior. If 90% of the time it's really good. But here's where people make a mistake. They say, well, 90% of the time my dog is doing the sit and and I'm opening the door and they're going out. But you know what? I was really, I was in a hurry and I let them out because I was ready to, I had to go to work. And then I was late for work and I just had to get them out. And then I was on my way. I, I came home from work, but I had to go out to a meeting. So I just had to let them out. And so what's going to happen is your dog they're going to recognize the gaping hole in the fence. They're going to recognize, well, when she's all dressed like this, 
and a little bit agitated with different energy, it's pretty close to 100% of that time. We don't have to sit. We can just, it, the, the, that fence is broken, babe. We're going. So do you see that, that 10% is 10% of that situation. So people in dog agility, they say, oh, my dog never breaks a start line at home, but at the, you know, in the ring, yeah, he doesn't hold it, but that's like, that's less than 10% of the total. We do a lot of stays at home. Again, it's a hundred percent of the time in the ring. So even if it was like 50% of the time in the ring, your dog's still going to be pushing that fence board to see if, Hey, we're trial time. Probably don't have to stay at this one. Let's give it a go. Okay. And so that's how criteria works. And I want to share with you how you can possibly get your husband on board because we have to consider what is your husband's perception is his reality. He's seeing a control freak. You are making the dog do something because you want to show that you have more power over that dog. But what if we could show him a different picture in that it isn't about the sit, it's actually about the release. We need the dog to understand you do this then you get that. I want to share how important transfer value is because my late husband who loved the dogs dearly, he was much like my friend that I called Kim and her husband's that my late husband really didn't have many rules that he upheld. And here's the interesting thought. He fed the dogs almost exclusively. I almost never fed the dogs. So they got manna for heaven twice a day, no rules. I mean, all they had to do is they knew to be in their crates because I had established that rule, but you know, he didn't have to enforce it. They just did that. He delivered, you know, your breakfast. You don't have to do anything. He didn't care if your feet were in, were out, you were nearby, you're in somebody else's crate, you were standing kind of close you got twice a day, you got these amazing meals. So all this reinforcement, cookies for nothing. The other thing that I would share with you about John is he also gave them uh, bedtime cookies. And when they wanted to go outside, they never had to sit. Rarely, rarely did they have to sit. And if they sat kind of crouched, if they, they kind of near the ground, that's fine. Just ever, okay, go on break. You, you can go, you can get out there. And so from the outside, you go, okay, Susan, control freak. You make sure that you don't feel, feed the dogs unless they're in their crate. You have these rules to live by. And if you remember from episode 117, which was our, my last episode, I spoke about how all of these lifetime guidelines of transferring value with my release word helped create value for me. And so my dogs on an annual basis had about 6,400 times they heard the word break from me that helped build value because what happens after the word break, you get to do something you love, go outside, leave the crate and play tug with me. Every time you hear the word break, you're getting reinforced by what happens after. Okay. So these are two different scenarios with my late husband, John, no rules. Really the only rules don't go on his couch that, 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 that annoyed him but basically no rules. And the vast majority of the food rewards ever given to those dogs were given by John for no reason. Now, if John was out in the yard and a car should happen to come up and my dogs would go, oh, company, and they'd go running over and he'd call them, they 
rarely would come back. If he was in the kitchen and asked them to sit, they would likely to sit because there's a possibility they might feed him. My dogs really didn't listen to John that well because there was never the transfer of value because all of the reinforcement had zero contingencies to it. I get what I want when I want. Imagine if you had somebody who worked for you that you paid them from working from nine to five and they showed up at 11 sometimes and they left at two and they sometimes just had a little nap in their office instead of actually working, but they still got the same paycheck every time. Eventually you would find they do less and less and less because they still got the same paycheck every time. All right. And so that's what happens when your rules are sloppy or non-existent. So what we can share with your husband is not about you being a control freak. It's about you really wanting to be that person that trains a dog in a way that they're moving towards. Because if we don't get that transfer of value, if we don't get our dogs seeing value in us, then the only thing that my late husband, John could have done if he needed to stop my dogs from doing something would be to yell at them to apply punishment, which he wouldn't do. He just didn't care. And so you've got those two choices. Do you want a dog who moves away because you've punished him? Don't do that. You get off. No, uh -uh, stop it. So then you have a dog who is a little more cautious of you, who learns she doesn't like me on the couch when she knows I'm on the couch. So I just have to learn with the times when she might know I'm on the couch, all those other times I can go on the couch versus teaching a dog to not want to get on the couch, right? One is the dog does something. We're living in Dooland. The other, they're moving away. And so have that conversation with your husband. And then you can say, Hey, I'm okay if you don't want that transfer of value. If you just want to hang out with the dogs without rules, but I'd like to give it a go. I'd like to try what this Susan Garrett person is talking about and try to see if I can start building a contingency of when you sit at the door, you get to go outside for a car ride. If you sit before I take your leash off, you then get permission to go for a swim in the pond. I'd like to start to get some of those 6,400 repetitions in a year that Susan gets. That is a transfer of value. See if that doesn't make a difference in my overall dog training. Would you be supportive of me doing that? You don't have to do it yourself because Susan's shared with me, you can be the gaping hole in the fence, but I'd like to be that strong board that my dog can rely on. That's going to be there consistently applying the same contingencies. See what your husband says and let us know how it goes for you. I'll see you next time right here on Shape by Dog.